0: Rosen, Alison Rosen is your new best friend. Alison, Alison, with
1: her good times never end.
2: Alison, Rosen, doing the wavy pants again. Alison,
1: Rosen, Alison's your new best friend. Hey, everyone. Hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Alison Rosen is your new best friend. This is now day four of is it or is it not COVID? I am testing negative. However, I have all the symptoms of what I think is COVID. However, I'm really clinging to those negative tests. However, every day that I still have a low-grade fever and I still feel like shit, I'm like, how is it not my time? I don't mean to sound self-aggrandizing and like you know those people who post like and I'm not making fun of them but there's people who are like well our incredible luck has run out Um, but I have been one of those people who hasn't caught it this whole time although I I don't feel like I was anywhere where for sure I like oh for sure I got it at that place Um, I don't know. Anyway, regardless, I'm sick. I know there's other sicknesses out there that aren't COVID, but this one just seems so COVID-y, but I still hope it's not. But anyway, I feel a little weird. So if anything goes awry today, which it could, I'm going to blame my whatever germs these are. Uh, I'm very excited to bring in my guest. This is someone that I've done many a podcast with. And frequently this person has said things that have made me go, Oh, still waters run deep. What is up with that? So I can't wait to peel back the layers and find out just what is going on with this person. Um, but first, I must chat with my producer, the self-described bad boy of podcasting. Also recently, he became accidentally and wonderfully known as the most dangerous man in podcasting, Tony Thaxton. Oh, yeah. Hello. Hello.
0: Hi, Allison. I didn't ask how you were feeling yet, because I figured we were going to talk about it. That's right. Uh, And
1: and boy, we did.
0: Oh, boy, I was on the edge of my seat. (laughs) Uh, I saw, you know, not to, I'm not going to blow up your spot here, but I I did see you just tweet something a little bit ago that you had a big announcement today. So I thought for sure this big announcement was going to be, I have COVID.
1: No, no, no. I still don't have COVID. Yeah, I tweeted... I'm going to share a big personal announcement on this episode. I can't wait for you all to listen Monday. And by the way, I've got like 70 something thousand Twitter followers. I felt bad when I tweeted that because in the past, it's like, oh, here we go. People are like, aren't you pregnant? Are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? It's like people, I'm old. And when I was younger, it took a lot of money and a lot of trips to a fertility clinic to get me pregnant. Like, no, I am not pregnant. I just know how it is. Anytime you say anything, anytime you're like, I have a head, are you pregnant? If you're a female, that is what people, so I just figured like, I'm fucking I like, this is not a game to play because people are just going to have all sorts of uh, guesses. And I'm like toying with people because obviously whatever announcement I have, it's not really that big a deal. It, no oh. one really seems to care that i might have an announcement but anyway i want to wait to bring in our guest because i do that's, have that's but, i figured yeah. to me my personal announcement is important so i want to wait to bring in our guest. though um see i
0: my brain didn't go to pregnant i thought i <laughs> i thought either covid or i was like or it's gonna be like the fucking termites are back it's gonna be something <laughs> like that Uh-oh, i mean it's I on that or it's, it <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay. like on that
1: order it doesn't involve <laughs> okay. insects thank god now that you've wished them upon me um but anyway tony speaking of most dangerous man i saw that you and i don't mean to blow your spot up air quotes youtube.com slash Rosen, if you want to see me making air quotes in the air um i mean you only posted this to your close friends is it okay for me to announce it globally uh i think yeah i think so yeah you're leaving for tour in a few weeks and you still don't know who's going to watch your dog. That's a real Most Dangerous
0: Man in podcasting maneuver. I, hey, I'm not, I'm not thrilled about it, but it's just it's all been a little harder to sort out than I thought it would be. Yeah. I've got a lot of people that have, have uh, stepped up and okay, volunteered, good. but everybody's got like a it's such a it's such a big ask because I'm gone for almost two months. Yeah. So it's like it's a lot to ask of somebody and everybody's got a little like, oh, I can't do it from this date to this date. And so I don't know. He might just get passed around with between a few people. But uh,
1: Mm, I don't know how I feel about this. Well, I don't know.
0: I may board him some of the time. It just gets really expensive. I don't mind taking him there because he loves it. He legitimately like if he sees where we are when we get there, he cannot get inside fast enough. Oh, that's cute. He loves other dogs so much. So, yeah, that's right. But just not cheap.
1: Yeah. Okay. well, I trust that you have it covered. All right. Let's bring in my guest. So, that in addition to making the whole thing about him, which we're going to, we can first make it all about me for my stupid personal (laughs) announcement. (laughs) I look very forward to bringing on to the show the co host of Doughboys, the co host of Get Played Pod. Please put your hands together for Nick Weiger.
2: Hi. Hello. Thanks for having me. Always a delight to be here. I do kind of hope that your personal announcement is. And I, you know, I, I, I hope I don't step on it. That you're going to dog sit for Tony, <laughs> because <laughs> that no. would really help me out. A lot. It'd be great, great bit of synergy here.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, thanks for setting me up in a way to make it look like I'm a bad friend. It's, <laughs> it's not that.
0: <laughs> I mean, I just said how much he loves other dog. You have a dog, you have a backyard. <laughs> I know.
1: I've got all. I've got all the things. Yeah. No, it's not that. Uh, it didn't even enter mm. into my mind. But no, it did enter into my mind, and then I thought. I can't I can't take that on right now, but, um, but <laughs> I do love Bentley though. Um, look, it seems like he's got lots of people who are vying for the spot. He's very popular. He's very popular.
2: What um, oh, can we get some stats on Bentley? What, what what
0: are we dealing with? What kind of dog are we dealing with? Yeah, we're dealing with a, a, a the world's most friendliest uh, French Bulldog. Here, give me one. Oh second. my
2: goodness! Oh, oh my
1: we're gonna goodness. see Bentley.
0: This
2: is great YouTube content.
1: Yes. We need to get like a Bentley, Tony. Look at him, Tony. We need a Bentley jingle going forward, and you're the man right. to provide it. Oh my right. god,
2: he is so cute! What a face! <laughs> what a face on Bentley.
0: He's a, he's a good dude. He's a good little buddy. Yeah,
1: he's beefy.
0: Oh yeah, it's a beefy dude. He Nothing likes wrong to with that.
1: nap. He likes to. Uh, Oh. I
0: can't really soak in the beef through uh, Zoom. Oh we're getting a full body shot. <laughs>
1: Tony has a tree stump in his backyard and Bentley likes to uh, poop on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Our poop stump.
1: <laughs> He's so cute. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to bury my personal lead a tiny bit because okay. I need to know, why did you change? So so Doughboys. That's your fast food review show. That's a podcast
2: your- about chain restaurants, That's which right. I, which we were recently on tour with, uh, and it, 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 me and Mike Mitchell, my co-host, as well as our guests, few guests we had rotated in and out, and our, our producer Emma on tour or after tour, Mitch got COVID. Oh no! And so you, when you were talking about co- about having COVID and being th- like thinking you had some sort of illness and but you're not sure what it is. I was in that same boat about a week ago because Mitch found out he got COVID. Basically, I got back to L.A. and he was like, hey, I tested positive and I just spent, you know, a long weekend with this guy wow. sharing meals, mm. sharing vehicles and uh, somehow uh, both me and Carl Tart who had both traveled with him uh, both of us ended up being negative so but yeah it was it was like a week on one ass cheek of just like am i is every sniffle is this covid right. every little ache and pain like is this covid and i kept testing negative and so i guess i was just on the other side of it yeah did he get pretty yeah. sick um yeah i think Mitch, yeah, had a little bit of a rough go of it he's doing great now
1: mm. okay yeah. Well, I am hoping that I will have the luck that you and Carl Tart had. Yes. So Get Played Pod, formerly called How Did This Get Played Pod? And I want the record to show, before the show started, I asked you, was there drama behind the name change? Which shows what a cool dude and a (laughs) great friend I am. But arguably I've lost my true journalistic chops because really, right. if there was drama behind it, that's something I should ask on the show as opposed to finding out ahead of time so as to avoid it on the show. But you said no. So anyway, what happened? How come you guys changed names?
2: Uh, it was basically as simple as, uh, and I appreciate you not wanting to pick at the scab publicly, um, they're, 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 but there's no scab. The issue is uh, it, it was we started off as a spinoff of How Did This Get Made, the mm-hmm. great movie podcast, Paul Shear, Jason Manzoukas, June Diane Raphael. Uh, and we play bad video games and talk about why they sucked. And oh, after doing that for a couple of years, we just kind of realized that that format was exhausting. And there's so much more of a time commitment involved with playing a bad video game uh, to, versus versus watching a bad movie. And additionally... There's also just a lot of times what you can actually say about it is it looks like shit and it's not fun. You know, it's not like there's like there's like a bunch of stuff of uh you, you, sometimes there'll be like bad voice acting. You can you can drill down or really, you know, well, like weird, uh, like animation uh, or strange content. But we overall, as we're doing it, we're just like I think what people like is just hearing the three of us, uh, me and Heather and Campbell and Matt Apodaca, uh, just talk about video games and the occasional guests. and that's what we sort of shifted to. So it's just like a, yeah, it's a more it's a much more general format now. It's just get played the video game podcast.
1: Hmm. Did yeah. you feel like? I guess what I'm wondering is, do you feel like people really take the name literally?
2: like get played no, like no, they're like No, I guess I'm what I'm saying played? is like
1: I think that you could have like changed the format without actually changing I I'm not arguing against the name change yeah. but like you probably could have altered the format without really changing the name
2: right yeah i think there's also just like it's a little bit of a mouthful right the whole the full title of the show and sort of like oh we could simplify it streamline it we have brand equity and get played Mm -hmm. and uh you know our social media was already get played right so makes sense so we're just like yeah let's 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 just let's do that and it also kind of tied in with our overall like rethink of the podcast Mm -hmm. it's just sort of like okay well hey it it feels like a uh, a semi fresh start from from what we'd been doing uh, so yeah, it, it yeah. made sense for us.
1: What's been the reaction?
2: Outrage. <laughs> <laughs> Can you even show your fury, face in public? Raw fury. Yeah, <laughs> getting egged everywhere I go. Uh, no, it's uh, everyone. Uh, yeah, people are happy with it. I mean, it, like it. It's the people who listen to the show like the show for what it is, and and that was part of the feedback we kept getting. Is just like we just like hearing you guys talk about video games. Mm-hmm. So we're like, well, why make this harder on ourselves? Uh, you know, having to play some. 3DO exclusive, uh, licensed game about managing a hotel. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like like why are we doing this to ourselves when we could instead just be playing games that we like and that we're gonna play anyway and talking about those and right. the audience likes it just as much. So right, that makes yeah. sense.
1: All right, now before we begin, peeling back the Nick weiger lagers, lagers, the Nick <laughs> weiger lagers. lagers. I'm My gonna personal by the time. This
0: is over. <laughs>
1: announcement, Tony. Do you yes. have a drum roll?
0: uh i do didn't know we were getting to this already uh, uh yeah here we Your go drum roll needs a d- needs a drum roll right? <laughs> all right ready this the, the, yes. you gotta you gotta you gotta time this right because there's this uh the only drum roll i have has this that like fanfare at the end so make Ooh. this make this count
1: okay i am i just gotta check my twitter again just to see if anyone <laughs> has reacted to me <laughs> saying that i have a personal announcement again i don't think they have I, Twitter is just not what it used to be, or mine at least, isn't Not it? at all.
2: No, it, it's not a, in general.
1: Someone, okay, here's something where someone seems, they seem scared. You said, oh, t- Tony replied, he said, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man, you finally took it up the butt, sigh. Um, Yay. Uh, that's okay, so there's been some reaction, but it's not uh, it's not the you know worldwide response that I feel this sure. deserves yeah, it'll really roll agree. in over the weekend okay, here we go. I'm ready. Okay. here we go i've decided to become a guru <laughs> Wow. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I've decided that both personally and professionally, it's the right move. Because personally, I'm a very indecisive person. Uh, There's a lot of persons in, in that sentence. And so if I moved into the guru space, I would be forced to be decisive. Like, I was just thinking about it. If I if I may share my very... I'm embarrassed about this direction that my life is going, but I was listening to... Do you guys know who Glennon Doyle is? She wrote this book, Untamed... Like, it's very much like, oh, wow, I am a white woman in my 40s, and this speaks mm. to me, and I'm embarrassed. But I was listening to her podcast... Uh, And it was about like aging. And then they quoted Ram Dass. And apparently he has a quote about like, the first half of your life is about becoming someone and the second half of your life is about becoming no one. And I was like, Oh, that really speaks to me. So then I'm like, maybe I need to listen to Ram Dass, someone whose name I've heard a 1000 times, but like, I've never really listened. So then I was listening to a Ram Dass lecture thinking like, is there, you know, what if this whole world of mystical spirituality is really my calling? Uh, and then I was like, thinking about being one of these long robe wearing guru people who just has the answer always. And being that certain about things. And uh, how I what maybe I should become one of those. And, how, and then
0: you watched the love guru and that really sealed the deal for
1: you. <laughs> I haven't no, that's on my, it's on my list though. Okay. Uh, my list of two, you know, A announce plans to become a guru, B, watch the love guru. So yeah, just personally, it'd be good for me to be more sure of myself and more certain, hence guru And then professionally, you know, when you speak into a people who speak into a microphone. Are expected to be certain and to have answers. That, you know, talk radio, those people, like fiery, bombastic. It's like amazing that someone like me has done as well as I have being as mushy and unsure of myself as I am. Think how, how, uh, think how my, you know, how I could just take off if I had the, a sure of myselfness, which is not a word, of, say, Rush Limbaugh. So that's where my being a guru comes in. So I'm Rush just Limbaugh. saying, it ticks all the boxes. <laughs> and yeah. from a fashion standpoint, I like how forgiving the flowing clothes are. So I just think I'm going to be a guru. And you heard it here first.
2: What do you guys think? I love this. I think this is the right move. I think there's also something for cuz you know the the guru lifestyle it's one of those like pivots i feel like i always have in my back pocket mm-hmm. like i can either like i i can shift to being the guru or i can shift to being alt right and either way <laughs> i'll have a way to continue to monetize what i do and yes. just find a new audience you know maybe alt right guru maybe that's the way for me i don't know we'll <laughs> see we'll we'll find out i think that's uh, but- like
1: jordan peterson right
2: that is Jordan Peterson. That's one hundred percent what he does. Yeah, and apparently it involves uh, tidying your room and eating raw meat. That's how you. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you get an alt right guru. Right. Audience. Yeah, but uh, it's uh, yeah. I I think it's a great move. Why not? I you, think you have lots. You have lots. You know about. You're an expert in many things.
1: Right, but it's like people write into childish with questions, and I find myself, you know, are people even write in. If you have a podcast, people will have questions for you. And I find myself struggling to answer them because I want to make sure that I give them the exact right answer. And I forget that I'm even in a position where I'm trying to entertain people. And instead, I'm just like trying to make sure that I'm giving them the bestest answer ever. Um, When really I should step like if I step into the guru space, then it's not even about trying to be so precise and like, is it right or it's just like I say it, it's right the end. Exactly. How liberating this is. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is the direction I go. Tony, do you think I have it in me? Uh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> I know yeah. that I'm a v i am I know that I seem like an unlikely guru. That's how I brand myself, the unlikely guru. Like well, Nick that's was a book
2: right there. I know. <laughs> the unlikely guru. That's like, a bo- you just wrote a book title.
1: <laughs> like Nick was saying that he can either go guru or, or alt right. I think for all of us in this like doing whatever we're doing guru is always there for us.
2: 100%.
1: And y- y- we've seen people do it. And I-, I don't even know how they do it. But like I could, you know, pretty soon I'm hosting workshops. I'm leading a movement. I'm getting some kind of degree online, and then I am a guru. It can happen rapidly.
0: Are you going to have a, 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 like a name you go by, or are you, you still going to be Alison Rosen?
1: Um, I need to look into like how someone gets a baba in front of their name. I don't know <laughs> if you have to go to India. I don't know how it works, but I'll probably have a name.
0: All right. Well, I look forward to getting home from tour to the new (laughs) Allison.
1: I don't know if it's going to happen that fast.
0: (laughs) But anyway. I'm counting on it.
1: So, Nick, how uh, was the tour, aside from the way it ended with COVID, for one of you?
2: It was nice. You know, we had a nice time. It's... it's I don't know. We've just, uh, 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 what's happened with the world is that we've all just accepted that things aren't going to improve, right? <laughs> I feel like that's just like every crisis. It's just like, okay, well, things are worse now. And that's just how it's going to, that's our new baseline. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's how travel feels now. It's just like it feels extra, it, it, it feels, uh, you know, more disgusting, it feels more crowded, it's more expensive. And, you know, people are are in a shittier mood. And that's just the world now. That's just we'll look back on this with fondness after the next crisis, (laughs) Uh, because that's 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 how things progress. But it's uh, but yeah, it was fine. The actual the actual travel was not great. Uh, but going to cities and and getting to see people is is delightful. Have you done much uh, uh like, like the the live podcast show? Have you you had a a show in front of an audience with all your podcast listeners?
1: Yes, I I haven't toured, but I've done um a a a large handful, a small bunch of of shows live. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's an interesting dynamic because you're doing this, you're doing like the show that you always do, mm-hmm. but just in front of an audience. So you kind of have to for me it takes me some uh, a few reps like it took it, t- it took us doing a few few of these shows in a row for me to be like oh yeah that's right you can just have the rhythm of conversation with people watching it I And that's what t- they want to see for some reason but I feel very self-conscious about it. Well
1: that's my thing and that's why yeah. it's challenging for me is that I'm always like well first of all I have the two different versions of my show and then I I try to figure out like is it enough or do I need to add more, you know, like one year, it, it in sort of a self conscious, jokey way, I hired a choreographer. It was a sketch fest, and I like hired a choreographer to teach me dances. So I like, you know, performed a dance to to some songs, and I because I was like, I feel like just my show is not enough, so I want to go like over the top, because um, I always feel like I need to make it a performance. So yeah, it's a it, the it, tra- translating the podcast to a live show for me is can be a
2: challenge it's it feels strange mm-hmm. and that's always the thing of of cuz yeah we'll 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 you know we'll have maybe a little musical number or something that we'll toss in at every other show or so you yeah, we'll we'll do a little something that with a little bit of pizzazz to make it more of a performance but by and large we're doing 90% just what we do in a studio yeah. just in front of an audience and it is it's people I guess that's what they want to see. Right. Because they've been listening they listen to your show or they listen to uh, you know, uh Tobi's show or Tony's show or 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 whatever podcasts they're are, are in their rotation, they're listening to that every week and it's just part of their life, and so they just wanna see they just the people see who it. do the show doing the show. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally.
1: So uh what ended up winning the uh oh my god, gigantic brain fart. I'm blaming the COVID or is it not COVID? Uh, the... You're you're
2: fine. Yeah, it's, 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 we're talking about the, uh, the, you were on, you were on a fairly recent episode back in March. We were doing our, our, that's right. Munch Madness 2022, the Tournament of Champions, and we were going through, uh, sandwiches. We did our sandwich tournament. And I was on Jersey
1: Mike's Um, versus Philly something.
2: Yes, versus, it was Charlie's Philly States. That's right. Which is a pretty large chain, uh, that's mostly in malls, and... You helped crown the ultimate champion because Jersey Mike's wow. came away with the uh, the Dave Thomas Cup at the, the end of the day. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Get I, I, out. I I was a little I was a little disappointed because I was personally rooting for Arby's. Arby's mm. made it to the finale, but Arby's did not get over the hump. And did uh, you the, the, Mitch and, and our guests voted for Jersey Mike's?
1: Did you send a hoagie to Rogie?
2: Uh, yeah, we were going to, and then Mitch got COVID. So, <laughs> like that's dangerous.
1: Um, okay, so Nick, mm-hmm. uh, tell me about your childhood.
2: Wow, um, <laughs> I know. I just, I just went there. I'm, I'm from. like you. I'm, I'm from Southern California. I've lived my entire life in SoCal. I grew up in uh, in uh, Lakewood, California, which is a, a suburban part of Long Beach, California. And yeah, I've just, I've never left. I've been in LA County my entire life. So yeah, I was, I was there as a kid, uh, me and my older brother, Nate, and my parents and living a, living a two bedroom suburban life, you know, having a, having a nice time. Eventually it became a three bedroom house, got a little expansion, a little extension, which Ooh. was fancy addition. That's what they call it in home, in home building terms, right? You get yes. a little addition to your Beat house. It. Yeah. They built on. They built on. They added an extra room. Uh, they added a master a, a bedroom for my parents. So yeah, it's a nice little. I, I don't know what uh, my, it, it was. It was a it was a childhood. So when <laughs> they built, <laughs> when they built on, yeah,
1: did they just make their room bigger, or was there like a did they what happened to their old room? I need more details about the yes. expanding.
2: This happened when I was a child and my memory of it is that there was a, there was a bedroom that my brother was in. Uh, maybe my brother was sharing with me. Mm-hmm. I was, I was pretty young and then they, they took that room and that, w- that eventually became a home office. They built onto the other side of that and built an entirely new, like going into the backyard uh, of of the property. They mm. built a, uh, a, a, a master bedroom there, a master suite and so that's that became my parents' room. My brother's old room became a home office, and then I moved into. I guess my brother and I were in the what used to be the the master bedroom, what used to be my parents' bedroom.
1: So you, so you and your brother still shared a room?
2: No, we didn't share a room. Oh. We had like a, I think that got either that got carved up. Got or, it. Yeah, something happened I, again. I'm 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 a little hazy on the details because I was I was young, but like I think that either. My brother's old room was the – either there was a nursery, maybe it was a three-bedroom, and then mm-hmm. the guy – I don't, I don't really, remember, really remember. Or they added a wall. Uh, but, yeah, me and my brother had, had separate bedrooms. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, when I was eight, I think, and my sister was four, my parents – we used to ha- they used to have – Like gross shag carpeting throughout the whole house. I don't think shag carpeting is gross. It's just the condition that it was in when we moved into the house was gross. So they had that pulled up and they put in hardwood flooring. And so while that was happening, we all lived in my parents' bedroom. Like they pulled the couches into their room. We were all sleeping in there, which I thought was very fun for me. And like to get to the kitchen, you had to like go out. It was just like a, we were all camping out in their room and you had to like go out around and, you know, it was, uh, just a totally different way of living. But I know that for my parents, especially my dad, that was like a very dark time. <laughs> like a very, mm-hmm. It was a very stressful time for them. Um, do you recall? And I know that when there's construction going on in a home, that is a very stressful time. Was it stressful for you or do you remember it being stressful for them?
2: I I just I have I have such a like a kind of a foggy memory of that period. But I what I do remember being stressful was that at a certain point, my parents restuccoed the house mm-hmm. like 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 that stucco exterior, and then that was like a thing where they had one guy, and then the one guy they had doing the stucco wasn't cutting it, so they had to get rid of him and get a different guy, and so that was a whole. Deb- I know the stuccoing was a debacle. I don't feel like the addition was particularly a uh, tr- uh, troublesome. But what you were saying, that sounds, that's, that's the whole thing of like, that's, that's, you know, the way the kid views it versus the way the parent views it, which is just like to you is like probably like a slumber party. Right? right. It was like, oh, this is fun. This is something. And then, you know, for your parents, it's completely chaotic. What was, is that your, is that your one sibling, the, uh, the younger yeah, uh, sister?
1: I, um, I have older brothers who are 11 years older, okay. but, um, but they, Lived with their mom, and then they would. Well, they were with us till I was three, but then they mostly lived with their mom, and they would come out for like summer vacations and things. Um, so for for most of the time, it was just me and my younger sister. Yeah.
2: So that's the that's the flip of the age gap between me and my older brother. Okay, Uh, he's he's you know he was four or five years older than me, four years ahead of me in school. So it was it it was enough of a gap where we were to 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 just talk about like what my childhood was like it was enough of a gap where we like we weren't super like mm-hmm. close i feel like we 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 get along very well now but you know but it was like enough of a thing where i was like kind of the dorky little brother we never went to the same school really right. you know he was done with he was in high school by the time i was in middle school he was in college by the time i was in high school so yeah it was more like i was in his wake rather than i was you know we were brothers palling around once we got past uh, you know, childhood, early childhood.
1: Yeah. I think my sister and I didn't really become close till I went to college.
2: I feel like that's kind of that's probably common with that sort of age gap, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's just a similar sort of thing. We didn't really start talking a lot until until we were, you know, in a, in a adulthood.
1: Right. You guys are close yeah. now, though.
2: I think so. Yeah.
1: Wait. Oh, he's the alpha brother, right?
2: Yeah, my 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 bro- my older brother Nate's kind of an alpha male. He's like <laughs> me with confidence. <laughs> um He's doing great. <laughs> were you a happy kid? I think so. I think I mean like like uh, so much of my childhood was spent with activities. I think of anything probably like I feel like I I, you know, if I ever had kids, my approach to parenting would perhaps be a little bit less activity focused mm-hmm. and a little bit more like, you know, you don't have to be doing Boy Scouts and going to clarinet lessons and playing youth sports and going to day camp. You don't have to be doing all this shit constantly. Then again, I also both of my parents were working, so I empathize with them and wanted to be like, we just need to get this kid the fuck out of here for a little bit, you know? We just need we just need him to be doing something because he's driving us nuts. So I understand from that standpoint, but I do feel like, yeah, I I, I was. Like, definitely the most fun I had was, like, playing video games. And Mm -hmm. I wish I had more time to play video games as a kid instead of constantly being, like, you know, prepping for something. So you were in activities, like, all the time? I feel—it felt like that. Yeah, it felt like there was always some shit I had to do. Like some Boy Scout campery on a weekend where I wanted to be at home playing, you know, Final Fantasy on Nintendo. Who was taking you to all the things? Usually my dad, sometimes my mom— um it it depend my mom's my mom was a nurse so her working situation for a time was like she was working graveyard shifts and night shifts so uh there was yeah and and then my dad would work days uh he was a he was a professor and so yeah that's usually how the division of labor would Mm -hmm. work out
1: professor my dad did all
2: the cooking at home that was the other element
1: oh cool what what was what's your dad a professor of
2: chemistry oh wow yeah my dad told me this recently and this is one of those things where I was like, I kind of had that. Moment. I was like, oh, I am my father's son. He said that after he finished his career, after he retired, he retired in two thousand nine, uh, and he'd spent like thirty years at this at Cal State University Dominguez Hills, uh, public college, and you know had eventually become the head of the chemistry department. And he was like, after it finished, I walked away. I never returned. I never corresponded with anyone I worked with, and I was just like, that period of my life is over. It's like, oh, that's a very sort of, you know, zen way to approach life of just sort of like, oh, the, the impermanence of everything, of just like, this job is done, I'm, I'm going to move on, it's time for something else. So that's how I kind of feel about, like, like, I, like, I kind of have that approach toward a lot of things, just like a feeling of like, I'm done with this, I don't need to worry about this anymore. I don't have a lot of like nostalgia or looking back at things with fondness or anything.
1: Would he like to speak at one of my upcoming workshops?
2: I think he's available. (laughs) Um, he's on Cameo actually. (laughs) Look for, look for real chem prof on on Cameo.
1: Um, I wait, is this
0: for real. He's on. Cameo? No, it's not. No, it's not.
2: <laughs> okay. I mean, he, maybe he should. Maybe, maybe Weiger's dad would do, mu- <laughs> would do numbers on Cameo. I don't know what the Doughboys freaks. Um, He'd want to get a happy birthday for my dad.
1: I'm sorry. I interrupted an, a sincere answer. So you're saying that you have that in you as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, like I, I, things I've done for years or friendships I had for years at a certain point, I was just like, all right, that's enough. You know, hmm. so I don't know how much of that comes from my childhood or not, but that's kind of like how I view things. Like, I'm not I'm not someone who tries to who thinks things are ever going to be set in stone or things are ever going to be permanent.
1: Have you. uh Is there a situation where you haven't felt that way? Like, can you think of something where you where you have grieved it?
2: Well, I mean, gr- I think grief is different from. Like, it's, it's, I I think that could, that itself can be impermanent, right? Like, that's a, now, now I'm sounding guru y. Uh, That, that itself can be a thing of like, like, this is the moment to grieve something and then you, you move on from it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, it, like, yeah, maybe you miss something. And, and I'm also talking more about like, less about like, well, that person's dead. Fuck them, like, like <laughs> less, less, like I'm just like, like, like I mean I'm less like that, but more like, like, oh, this, this period of my life or this thing I was doing, you know, mm-hmm. like I played woodwinds for many years. That was one of the activities I was uh, so uh, in in engrossed in, engrossed with, and and uh, and uh, it had, was such a huge part of my life when I was a kid. And now I'm not like. Oh man, I wish I was still playing bassoon. I, it's a shame I gave up the bassoon. You know, like I just don't—I don't care. Like it's that—that that was a thing I did for a while, and now it's over with.
1: Um, was bassoon your woodwind of choice? Because you mentioned clarinet. Oh, yeah.
2: I played—I played clarinet. I played saxophone. I played bassoon. I dabbled with flute. I played them all. I played—I played single read and double read. The only one I ever really actually gotten many reps with was oboe. Mm. And I do, fan, you know, the bassoon is, is, after all, just a bass oboe. I think if I got some time with an oboe, I could, I could tear up an oboe.
1: You were in a ska <laughs> band, right?
2: I was in a ska band, yeah. What was it called? Uh, my other brother Daryl. I'm surprised you remember this. I remember this was this, this is uh this was a yeah this was a ska band I was in in the 90s. I was like the young kid in the ska band. They needed a saxophone player, and so it was like it was one of those things where like I probably should have thought like realized it was cooler than it was, but I was just again was just like I just don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was like I was like 15, and everyone else was like 18, 19, and yeah, it was a it was a. Lovely guys didn't really care for the band or the music, and at, <laughs> same same thing. And at a certain point, the guy called me like, "Hey man, we're practicing," and I was like, hey, "I don't want to do this anymore."
1: Were they mad? Like, oh,
2: really? Not really. No, I think he was just so blindsided mm-hmm. that he was just like. And then he, later, I ran into one of the guys. I ran, I ran into the you know lead guitarist singer, and he was uh, I guess the only guitarist singer. And he, he he was just like, "Hey man, you ever want to jam again? You know, let me know." I never followed up. Hmm. <laughs> So yeah, that was a ska band for a little bit, got sick of it, walked away, never regretted it. I think people are more likely here here's the thing, here's a guru thought. Okay. I think people are more likely to stay too long than to leave too early. Yeah. I do think that happens a mm. lot. I think people like for 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 in, in social situations, in professional situations, in relationships. Uh, Even in just sort of like social obligations, like I think people are more likely to spend too much time doing something they don't want to do out of some sort of feeling of, of I've already committed to this thing or sunk cost fallacy than to just be at a certain point like, you know, what? I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. And it's okay to say I don't want to do this anymore.
1: Um, where does marriage fit into this?
2: Uh, That's a talk me and my wife are going to have actually. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're we're uh, we, I, I that's a uh, I think that's all hunky dory. I mean, this is the thing my, my wife and I are very similar people in a lot of ways. So um, it, in a great many ways. So I think that's part of why why our connection works.
1: Let's go back to the ska band. Um, you didn't Please. like the music. Did you like ska? Just not this ska band?
2: I think that was it. Yeah, I think I like Ska and I, I was not particularly happy with this band's direction. What did they sound I, I mean like? I did like Ska at the time. Yeah.
1: What did they sound Like what kind of Ska did you like and what did they sound like? They sounded like they all sound the same. They sounded like
2: <laughs> everything. So I, I think that was probably just the more of a thing of just like I was annoyed where uh, I, I was annoyed with the obli- I was annoyed with the time commitment involved. I was annoyed with having another task on my task list. And part of me just wanted to be a kid and I didn't it, being in a band wasn't as cool as I thought it was going to be. Mm. Yeah.
1: Like what were some of the scobians that you liked at the time?
2: Uh, well, hey, I, I did like real big fish and I actually am uh, was friends and continue to be friends with uh, Tavis Wurtz, who was a trumpet oh, player and yeah. in, right. in, in one of the lineups. Uh, Brandon Worts, his brother, was uh, was my good friend um, in high school. Still stay in touch with him. And uh, yeah, I, I, I like this band. Let's go bowling. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked Hepcat. I liked. Uh, I liked a, a, I liked Save Ferris. Save Ferris had a hit where they they mm-hmm. they had a they had a cover version of uh, Take on Me that that kind of blew up their ska punk version of that. And uh, the uh, of course the Stones. I think one of the Stones went alt right, um, but the. <laughs> and
0: uh wait wasn't save uh, ferris come on eileen
2: come on eileen that's what it was yeah take on me was probably was was another that was
0: real big fish maybe that that was real big Big fish i gotta
2: i I transposed the 80s songs that were covered by ska punk bands (laughs) in the 90s (laughs) um um, and uh, used in the soundtrack of some teen movie i
1: had monique on my show a number of years ago that's cool yeah
2: and uh, with uh, of of course the, the big one I was thinking of was uh, no doubt oh yeah no doubt had had ska roots and yes. they I had an album of theirs that was very ska and then Tragic Kingdom comes out and I was like oh they changed their sound because mm-hmm. it still has that ska those ska elements but it's not like you know the blaring horns that they right. had in the, the earlier days
1: right yeah. nice um, yeah. all right you've passed the ska quiz that you didn't know you were receiving. <clears throat> <laughs> 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 um, Interesting. Okay, but I'm just wondering. Like, have you ever gotten dumped? Well, have you ever gotten? Du- I, there's more to that question, but have you ever gotten dumped, or are you the dumper?
2: No, I've been dumped, but I mean, like, this is like this is like teen romance, right? This is like you know that sort of stuff. So it's a it's a different sort of different sort of vibe. But yeah, I've been dumped. I've I've been I've been down in the dumps.
1: Yeah. Well, that was gonna be my question. Like, how did you take it? Were you as um as accepting? of the impermanence of things as uh, the guru side of you?
2: I think that's a characteristic that's evolved over time. Because I think as a kid, I was a little bit more mercurial, a little bit more emotional. And I think I'd become more even and more stoic as I've aged. Uh, but yeah, I definitely had, eh, hey, I can still get up in my feelings. <laughs> can still be. I can still be hurt by something. Right. You know, I'm not made of stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I'm remembering now. I had forgotten about your amazing vocabulary, but I'm remembering you, that you described something as toothsome when I was on your sh- on no, when you were on my show. And then there was another word that you used that I think I didn't even know. I think you introduced me to a word that I wasn't even aware of when I was when I was on your show. Maybe
2: another word describing food. That's probably all my vocabulary is food related. <laughs>
1: um, okay, all right. So we know. That you are accepting of impermanence, or claim to be, you feel your childhood was happy-ish, a yeah. little bit, a little bit too much with the activities. You played woodwinds, but you've said goodbye to them. Uh, where did
2: you go to college? UCLA. Oh,
1: that's a yeah. Pretty- so I
2: say I stayed in LA. And here's here's another element of me is that I, I do not – you talked about being indecisive. Mm-hmm. I may be too decisive in that oh. I will make life-altering decisions on an impulse. And me deciding to go to UCLA was – I was going to go to UC Santa Barbara where I was also accepted. And then a, a friend of mine who ended up going to UCLA as well said like, you got into to UCLA and you're going to Santa Barbara? And I was just like – Okay, I'll go to UCLA, mm. and that was what that was what made the decision of where I was going to go to school for the next four years.
1: And was that friend's implication because UCLA is is more highly rated?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think it was like a a, a more prestigious school, whatever mm-hmm. that means. In hindsight, maybe you know, whatever, like 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 you can't it, 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 if ifs and buts were candy and nuts. But I mean, like like if the but in hindsight, probably I would have benefited more from going to some place a little bit further from where I lived. Um, and even though Santa Barbara is not that far, but you know, there's a, there's a difference between a, yeah, there's a difference between a two and a half hour drive and a, and a, and a half hour drive. And also I think just going to more of a party school versus an academic school would have fit for, fit for me better for where I was in that. And at that point in my life, you know,
1: and where were you at that point in your life? I didn't want to do shit. <laughs> I was burned out. I did not yeah. want to do anything. Had you really buckled down in high school? no.
2: I just was tired. <laughs> oh, oh. No, I,
0: I didn't. Wait, no, what were you I, burned like, I, out? No, from? I didn't.
2: I just having to do too much shit. Having to do shit I didn't want to do. I don't know, like 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 all the the school related activities. Yes, like literally, like 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 that, all that stuff, and all the stuff involved with growing up. It was just like, man, I would I would like to just chill out for a little bit, and I and I didn't feel like I got that much.
1: Had you put a lot of pressure on yourself or was there a lot of pressure put on you to do all the things to get into a good college
0: i think
2: the pressure was more external Mm because personally i just did not give a shit and i just did not care and i would have just as soon not gone to college but i felt like there was like kind of an external pressure of like you're like you should do this or this is the thing to do and i also think that was pretty universal at the in the you know i i went to college in I graduated high school in 1998. So 1998, 99 was my first year in college. And I feel like that era, up until like the 2010s, basically, it was like, that was like, that's the thing to do. You go to college. You mm-hmm. have to go to college. Mm-hmm. Everyone should go to college. And then we reached a certain point where it was just like, what are we doing this for? You yeah. Know?
1: Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, but I think there were certain people for whom maybe it wasn't like that, but there sure. certainly was this huge awareness of like, Every, dis, you know, for a period of time in high school, like so many of the decisions you make about your extracurriculars are because it'll look good. It'll appear this way on your application or, you know, colleges like to see this or they like to see this or, you know, you I didn't. But I know my mom wanted me to go like every kid or so many kids in my high school went to like college counselors or and they yeah. took prep courses and like I refused to do that and I actually still was able to go to the college I wanted uh which I think I'm bragging when I mention that Hell but yeah. <laughs> there was just so much pressure on you know having the right kind of application and trying to game the system to get into the college you wanted
2: 100% saw that around people that I Grew up with and where it was in school with, and yeah, I was the same as you. It's just like I kind of was just coasting along. I, you know, I I would characterize myself as as certainly an underachiever. I think it is still an underachiever. <laughs> like I just sort of was like I I had enough ability. I think chiefly as a bullshitter that I could bullshit my way through a, a standardized test.
1: Right. Well, that's and what I was going to say is it sounds yeah. like you test cuz I also tested well. It sounds like you tested well. So I was like, I'm going to just going to I'm going to rest on that.
2: <laughs> yeah, and and my you know, my grades were fine, you know, like I could I could not This this sounds like this sounds like bragging, but I don't mean it, it to be a brag. I'm saying this to talk about like the value of being a bullshitter mm-hmm. and that's not a that's not a an enviable skill but it is a skill that makes life easier is that I, I did not read a single book in high school for, for school. Wow. And I just continually would do well in, in English classes. Cause I could just write a bullshit essay. I just knew how to do, I knew how to do that. I knew how to like, you know, uh, I knew how to hit the beats that were necessary in order to satisfy this assignment. And in order to be like, in order to sound like, I know what the fuck I was talking about when I had no idea what I was talking about. And you can get away with that in the, in the liberal arts, or at least at a, at a high school level.
1: Well, I'm impressed by that. Listen, we were talking about burnout earlier, which offered me a brilliant segue that I didn't take advantage of, which is very out of character for me, the <laughs> queen of segues. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life can be overwhelming, and many people are burned out without even knowing it. Symptoms can include lack of motivation, feeling helpless or trapped, detachment, fatigue, and more. Uh, we associate burnout with work, but that's not the only cause. We just heard about Nick being burned out just from the all the things that go into being a child, a teenager, college student, all those things. Any of our roles in life can lead us to feeling burned out and BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life. Uh, and I just want to say... I know two people right now doing better help, and it has helped them so much, especially right now, where it has been very difficult to get in with a traditional therapist because the wait lists are just bonkers. Uh, BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Allison and Rosen's new Best Friend listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash best friend. That's betterhelp, better H-E-L-P dot com slash best friend. Okay, so you go to UCLA and what did you major in?
2: Well, at first I was undeclared. And then I was a mathematics of computation major, oh, which wow. was a, a like the it was a computer programming degree without going into the computer programming school, which at UCLA is a different was a different college. Mm-hmm. I was in the College of Letters and Sciences. There was like a college, a College of Engineering, which I was not a part of, and uh, and I, I did that for a bit, and then I dropped out. I did an IT job for a little bit. And I went back to school for an English degree. Then I dropped out again uh, because I got a job in the video game industry, and then that basically took my life in that direction for my twenties.
1: Were you going to get an advanced English degree?
2: No, I was. I didn't finish. I I never finished college.
1: Oh, so oh I was I see. there for
2: a little bit. Yeah, I was. I was there, dropped out, returned to to try to get to. I was like, I'm gonna finish Your my BA. degree, and I'll just get an English degree because yeah, I can I can bullshit my way through this <laughs> and uh, and then i dropped out again cuz i got a, a job offer in the video game industry and then was was there for a bit
1: got it and what was that video yeah. game job offer
2: so i first off i was uh, it was it was entry level and i was working at activision um in the uh qa department which is games testing and also in the customer support department it was kind of both roles and you you'd shift between them depending on your your, your schedule and uh, and, but it was like, kind of like that foot in the door of like, oh, I always wanted to work in video games. And this is the equivalent of like ha- a PA job, you know, on a, on a, on a TV show. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, I can work on, I can work this for a little bit and this will build my resume and this will help me have some connections. And ultimately then that will, could be the stepping stone to another job, which it ultimately was. I ended up working at this, uh, I got, a, got a game design job after that and worked at this company, uh, seven studios. Which is a now defunct developer, but I worked there for several years. And
1: then from there, where'd you go?
2: I just kept working at Seven Studios basically until I got, I started uh, going into to TV writing and I was, and I started pursuing that. And I reached a certain point. They were very good to me there. Uh, even though it was kind of a, a shitty company overall, the people that I was working with, uh, my direct supervisors and uh, the producers I was working with, were, were very, very good to me. And, and, reached a point where like I was there and they were letting me work half time. So I could pursue this other part of, you know, this, the, the, I, I wanted to work in comedy for whatever reason. And so I, while I was pursuing that, I was still working in the video game industry halftime. And then reached a certain point. I was just like, you know what? I, I, I think this isn't just like working for either side here. And so then I eventually went through a little period of unemployment, but, but eventually was able to start, uh, start working in TV.
1: What made you yeah. want to go into TV or comedy?
2: I don't know. I think it was the same. I think it was Honestly, I shouldn't have left the video game industry. But then also like like if I if I am looking at regrets, that's a thing where I'm like like, like probably that was the that was a, that would have been better a, a better industry to stick with. It might have been a better fit for my skill set it, it more accurately tracked with my passions. But I think if I hadn't pursued this, I would have been still thinking about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think that that ultimately that the the both things came from the same thing. Of like, I always wanted to make video games. Uh, I got in the industry. I worked on some very bad video games and kind of got disillusioned with it. And then I was like, oh, I always wanted to write TV. Why don't I pursue that? Uh, got into TV writing. Uh, worked on some really bad tv shows and got disillusioned with that and now i got a a couple of bad podcasts
1: (laughs) i didn't know you were disillusioned with with your tv career
2: i think it's impossible not to get disillusioned with anything once you start doing it for long enough right like even something you like i think you reach a certain point you're like all right that's enough you know
1: yeah i I mean i think you're probably right so the tv stuff you did you were on earth to ned right
2: yeah, Disney Plus show. Yeah,
1: Wait, okay. So you did fun. Earth and Ed. You also did. You were on at midnight, right?
2: Yeah, I worked on at midnight for for many years. That's that's still probably my favorite job I've ever had of any kind. And uh, just we we still the, the writers' room for that show still keeps in touch. It was a combination of it was a relatively small amount of work that you had to do every day. Like you basically had to get in. The worst part about that job is that you had to get in early because because the show taped it at mm-hmm. three p.m. So you had to get in at like seven or eight. Um, but, at, but then you were there. I was there with, with the,, the you know, a, a writing staff that was were the funniest, kindest people I've ever, you know, uh, uh, worked on the same floor with, uh, worked in the same field with. And uh, yeah, they, we all still ta- stay, uh, keep in touch. We have a text thread that's still going strong like five years after cancellation. Um, my cancellation, I mean, i not the shows, <laughs> but, uh, they, yeah, we, we still, we're still keeping in touch and, and it's, it's so, uh, yeah, they they're, they were delightful people. And it was one of those things where that show is maybe not a show I would necessarily w- like watch, you know, it's just not, it's not for, it wasn't necessarily for my taste level, just like as a show mm-hmm. is the kind of thing I'd watch. And it's also not the kind of thing where I'd be like, like, oh, I really want to watch right for this show. But your job is so much just about the people you work with you know right um the people you share a car uh, a carpet with and and it's just like they were they were great people and that's what made that a great job
1: that's really great yeah what other shows were you on i know didn't you work with ben hoffman aaron jordan on like uh what's the job i'm thinking of info I,
2: I didn't work with ben hoffman know. I, I, oh. I but uh i worked i've worked with jordan if you're thinking about jordan morris i've worked with jordan morris on a number of shows i worked on the show fuel t uh fuel tv is the daily habit was like my first like tv tv job that was way back in the day oh, yeah. uh, jordan was on I that show on
0: that show once
2: it's totally it's entirely possible
0: i think so in like 2010 probably
2: yeah yeah, yeah hosted by so. pat parnell uh former professional inline skater lovely man and uh, and that was like a, that was an, another interesting job where that was on an action sports network Fuel TV. I don't know if it's still around, but mostly what they show is surfing videos and skateboard videos. And then they had a uh, they had a late night talk show that I that I wrote for for a bit that that got canceled. Uh, I wrote on uh, Comedy Bang Bang. I wrote on um, uh, I Love You America with Sarah Silverman. Oh, cool! Uh, and I wrote on. Uh, NTSF, which was an adult swim show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. A bunch of shit.
1: That's quite a resume. Okay, I'm yeah, thinking you know. of a different... So, wait, did you ever work with Aaron Gibson?
2: I know Aaron Gibson. Yeah, I actually worked with Aaron Gibson at Funny or Die. That was where I was at for a good stretch as well. Okay. That's maybe probably what, like, if anyone... Uh, if people knew my work at all, like as a writer director, it was maybe some funnier Die videos mm-hmm. that got that that went semi viral back in the day. But yeah, and the 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 2011 through 2013 14 era, I was there, and Aaron Gibson was there for part of it.
1: Got it. I think Aaron Gibson and Ben Hoffman had worked somewhere else, and maybe Brian Safi, but maybe not, like years ago. Sh- this beside I the an point. With
2: Bri- yeah, I, I shared an office with Brian Safi at Funny or Die, so he was also there. Okay. Great dude.
1: This is really it really is a small world. So then how it did it really is? How did the podcasting come about?
2: Honestly, it was me so me and Mike Mitchell, my co-host at Doughboys, uh had known each other for many years but had never really worked together on anything. He had a sketch group, very successful, very funny sketch group, The Birthday Boys, which ended up having a show on IFC. And uh my sketch group uh was uh would would do a monthly show less successful sketch group uh but a lot of very great uh very funny people and uh our group would do a monthly show where we do half of it and then the birthday do- boys would do half of it what was and so we knew called? each other a lot socially that a kiss from daddy um uh eva anderson uh uh michael dadio cassidy mookie blakelock uh harris whittles r.i.p alan mcleod uh dave forwitts Paul Rust and Neil Campbell, yeah. I think that uh, the 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 that was the the nine of us and me. Um and uh yeah, it was a, a great crew. Uh and uh we you know, we did this monthly sketch show, and so I knew Mitch through that. And then we reached a certain point where like that we'd stopped doing that show. Birthday Boys, I think, was no longer on the air, and we were just sort of like, hey, you like you want to do something together? Like we know each other. We we would would often text each other. We had a we had this long running bit where we just text each other roasting each other like we just text each (laughs) other like vicious personal insults and and like just for fun Uh, and I think we reached a point where we're just sort of like like I don't know hey we 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 seem to get along or semi get along we seem to like each other uh, as you know like 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 as people and as uh, as fellow performers would would you want to collaborate on something and it started as general as like would you like to collaborate on something. And then we talked a little bit more, and we decided, like, hey, how about a podcast? And then we went to the Cheesecake Factory at The Grove here in LA, uh, which I've learned is a via our friend uh, Farley Elliott is a top five tourist destination uh, in Southern California. How about that? The Grove. Really? Tourists love The Grove. <laughs> anyway, uh, we went did we the Cheesecake Factory at The Grove, and we're just like, th- like, it was one of those, this is the show. We talk <laughs> about chain restaurants, because this is a thing we have strong opinions of. Um, and so that's how that one began. Uh, the, my other podcast, similar sort of origin of just uh, Heather Ann Campbell, who has an improv team for many years. I actually knew her back when I started doing short form improv when I was going to UCLA. And uh, she uh, she and I both like love video games and have talked about video games for many years. And I already had Doughboys and it was going and it was semi-thriving. And, and I was like, yeah, hey, maybe I'll do another podcast. Maybe I'll do something with Heather. Hey, you want? let's do something about video games. I think we originally had an idea wh- we, which we were going to do about Star Wars. And we actually recorded a pilot, which was us about uh, talking about Star Wars. And then I think we sort of were like, that market seems oversaturated. But video games is maybe something where people with R you know, uh, age range and perspective are 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 tackling a little bit less. I don't know if that's true or not, but that was kind of our feeling. hmm Yeah.
1: Listen, you guys, I want to tell you about StoryWorth. You've probably heard me talk about StoryWorth before because they've been on the show before, and every time I talk about them, people go out and they get it for... Let's say their dad for Father's Day or their mom for Mother's Day. And then they get in touch with me and they tell me what a hit it was as a gift. It is one of the most popular things I talk about on my show. So Storyworth is this amazing service. You buy it for someone you love. Uh, they receive a prompt each week, a question. Uh, for example, you know, tell me about some odd jobs you had as a kid, or like, tell me about your experience learning to drive, or, you know, what were your grandparents like, things like that. Um, you can sort of you can design the questions, or you can, you know, they, they have a bunch of their own questions. Uh, and then the person responds to the prompt. And then at the end of a year, they collect all the stories together in a beautiful hardbound book, and you have a book of memories. And it's a great heirloom. I got it from my dad, someone who I thought my dad, maybe all dads are like this, but I have heard all of his stories, like enough that I'm like, enough with the, all the, like my dad needs a new audience and all the jokes that say every morning, every morning for a carpool, did you bring your bathing suit? Like, oh, <laughs> I know that someday I'll miss that joke, but I don't, I mean, anyway, um, <laughs> what is my point? My point is I was shocked that with StoryWorth, worth. I discovered stuff about my dad that I never knew. And I thought that I'd heard every single story multiple times from my dad. It's really amazing that way in in terms of like a- allowing you to discover stories about people when you feel like you know them so well, there's no way they're, they have stories that you haven't heard. It's a way to connect with people that you uh, want to like cherish all their memories. It's just, it's just like I, I cannot say enough good things about it. Give all the fathers in your life a meaningful gift you can both cherish for years to come with Storyworth. Right now, for a limited time, you can save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash best friend. That's Storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash best friend to save $10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash best friend. Okay. So we do a segment on this show called Just Me or Everyone where people mention things they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me, or is it everyone? And we have a song.
0: Sometimes I ponder on Something I have thought or done Is it just me, or everyone?
1: Nick, do you happen to have one?
2: Do I happen to have, is it just me or everyone? Yes. Um... Yeah. If here's I'm curious about this. When you're on a public transport of some sort that involves standing and there's a seat available, do you feel guilty about using it? Like if there's like if there are if like like okay you're on you're an airplane shuttle airport shuttle you're on a bus you're on a train um I'm a I am I take public transport a a a good amount but for, but you know whatever whatever scenario you're in where you're in a shared vehicle there's a pull to hold or there's like a little you know over overhand, overhand angle – overhand hangle what the hell <laughs> Overhanging handle i was you know, like to is hold. that
1: what it's called an overhand hangle
2: <laughs> yeah that's my big vocabulary uh, working uh, at a t- <laughs> its a way again some hangle. <laughs> <laughs> uh you, you got an overhand hang uh overhang <laughs> overhanging handle you're holding on to or a pole. you're gripping that a seat opens up there's other people standing there Do you feel guilty about being the one who's going to take it in the same way that, that, like, there's one app remaining on a shared app plate? Mm. There's one onion ring sitting there, and you're like, I want that onion ring, but I don't want to be the person who takes the last onion ring. Do you have that feeling? Or are you just like, fuck it, I'm taking that seat?
1: I would feel guilty about taking it unless I'm, like, super uncomfortable. And if I'm uncomfortable enough that it's making me antisocial. And I don't yes. mean, I don't mean that. I mean that in the clinical sense I- in the, like, I no longer have empathy and fuck everyone. Um, right. you know, then it's just like uh, game over. I don't care what anyone thinks about me. I- I'm sitting here. Uh, but if I still have my social wits about me, then I think I would feel guilty or self-conscious about being seen as the one t- to grab the seat.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I think I might be pretty much exactly the same as you, Allison. No. Yeah. But, I'll usually I, feel guilty about it.
1: Yeah. yeah. But I might look around to sort of like I do with the onion ring. I'd kind of give a like, and is anyone going to go for this? It depends who the crowd yes. is. Yes. But if it's my family that I would ask, like, does anyone want this? You know? Mm. Um So, like, I might look around to see if anyone wants the seat. And if no one's going for it, then I might help myself to it.
2: Yeah. Do you ever offer your seat? Because I like – that's a thing I I do like to do when I feel Mm -hmm. like a hero. (laughs) Like, I'm sitting down on the train and then, like, you know, like an older person gets on or, like, a mom with a kid – and then I'll just like stand up and like just ge- just just wordlessly gesture to the seat for them, and and if they take it, I feel like a champ.
1: Yes, it's been a long time since I've been on public transportation, but I have done that before, and I think yeah. I have felt quite wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do remember that one. Me I'm a good person. Yeah, I remember one time uh, when I was I was single. And sort of I was single and I was underemployed and I was and I've told this story before I wrote about it or something, but I was in this is many years ago. I was in Trader Joe's in Brooklyn and um, a a shorter old lady asked if I could help her reach uh, some vegetable that was up high or something and I did and it made me feel so useful I was like, "Do you need help with anything else?" And she said, "No," but I was disappointed because I was kind of like, "I would like to be her personal shopper for this entire grocery store trip because it gave <laughs> me such a a purpose."
2: Right. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. feeling of helping others is like like, "Oh, yeah, I should do this more yeah. often." Mm-hmm. It can be it can feel like a very selfish thing.
1: Yeah, especially mm-hmm. if you're kind of cuz that I had been feeling sort of at sea at that point in my sure. life. All right, we have some questions. That uh, listeners have sent in on Patreon. I'm on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where Patreon. you go for all the Patreon fun, bonus episodes, videos of the Thursday show. There's a level where you can text me and I'll text you back. That's right. The people at the texting level, they heard about my COVID or is it not COVID way before you did. Um, maybe not way before, but I mean before. Uh, what else do? I, oh, you can send in questions for the guests. You can see pictures, outtakes of pictures of ep- for episode promos, things like that. It's so, it's so much access to me. You'll beg me to leave you alone. And if you subscribe for, and I just did a bonus episode with Betsy Sudaro. She's delightful. If you subscribe wow. for a year, you get two free months, 12 months for the price of 10. That's a good deal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here comes some questions. I think we have a song. When we ask, they send
0: them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans.
1: All right. Grant Erickson says, what was the most unique, parentheses, good, bad, weird, gift you've ever received from a fan of either podcast?
2: We've gotten mystery jars <laughs> which I'm just always like I don't like get we don't need the a mist please don't send us a mystery jar. <laughs> but we've got we got mystery jars before and Mitch insisted on drinking the contents and I said do not drink can we <laughs> can you just not drink the mystery jar and he's like the person who sent it in said it's okay. I was like well yeah <laughs> they're going to say that. <laughs> uh anyway, he drank the mystery jar and I did not. This was several years ago, but maybe it's related to him having COVID and me having not. Maybe. Me not having it. What did Who he, knows?
1: What did he say it tasted like?
2: I don't remember. I think it was honestly just some normal beverage, so maybe he was right.
1: Now, see, I feel like the next question, I feel like this was the answer to the next, well, no, maybe not. Stephanie Piccioni said, oh, damn it. Stephanie has written in and told me how to pronounce her last name, and I know that I just butchered it because it's spelled like Piccioni. Because I always want to pronounce people's names right, but I know that I said it wrong. Stephanie, r- rewrite in, please. Because I know... Anyway, okay. Stephanie says, what's the dumbest thing you've ever eaten? By which I mean something you looked at and go, this could be the end, or realized in retrospect could have done serious damage. Have you had fugu? Fugu? That's blowfish.
2: Oh, yes, yes. I've not had the fugu. Um, Yeah, boy. Thing that... I do honestly think of... Sushi-related, though. Like, I over sushi. This was when me, me and my wife were dating very early on, and I over sushi just for, like, the, the both of us, and there was so much left, and I felt like I, I hate wasting food so much. That's like a, you know, generations-removed, depression-era uh, attribute that was just hammered into me growing up. It's just like, don't waste food. Mm-hmm. And so I ate so much sushi, just of all sorts, just sort of like a, you know, like a sampler sort of... A uh, uh, platter and yeah, just that's that's the the the, the bloated sushi feeling. I remember yeah. just feeling so disgusted. There, there's a the, in the Hulk Hogan sex video. One of the things that's lesser commented on is that he's so full and he's talking about how he he had a huge sushi lunch and he was not expecting to have sex and he felt like a pig. Just like, oh, I'm so full, I feel disgusting. But that's how I felt at that moment. How did you and your wife meet? We went to high school together, but we did not really talk at all. And then after college, we reconnected at a friend's birthday party, mutual friend's birthday party, and just started talking. And uh, then we were just sort of, you know, fast friends after that. And then more than friends.
1: Um, okay. Maureen Bozduman, she has three questions. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite book?
2: Favorite? Oh, okay. Uh, uh, we're taking it one at a time. Favorite yeah. book? Hmm. I mean, I'm tempted to answer like the Prima Strategy Guide for Mario Kart 64. If we're talking about like <laughs> what I spent a lot of time actually reading, uh, but I'll be a little bit more highbrow than that. I'll say Kurt Vonnegut's Cat's Cradle. I really enjoy. That's a fun book. Or, or you know, at vs. Night Paul's Half a Life is used to be my old answer. Although he ended up being like kind of a piece of shit. So, um, I'm I'm less confident in that answer just because of him as a man.
1: As a heat seeker, what's the spiciest mm. food you've eaten?
2: I had some Reaper tenders today from uh, chicken tendies from from Dave's Hot Chicken. Not the hottest thing I've ever eaten, but definitely one where I was like, ooh, this is pretty spicy. This has a this has a this has like what I would characterize as a 9.5 or a 10 level heat intensity. Whoa. But I think the hottest thing I've eaten would have been something from Jeet Lada, which is a fantastic Thai restaurant here in L.A. That's the, the hottest food I've ever had,
0: too. Yeah. yeah would,
2: would, I, and I'm, I'm trying to remember the specific name of the dish. I said it before once, and then my wife said I said, the, I, I said it wrong. So I'm not going to guess what it was. But I, I remember it being so hot that I had to go into their bathroom and just take handfuls of water and just <laughs> hold it in my mouth <laughs> from the sink. But what was the? Do you remember the the spicy dish from Jitlada, uh, Tony?
0: I don't. I it was quite a while ago, but I just yeah I, yeah I just remember because I generally can handle spiciness pretty well. Uh, and that me too. that surprised me because like normally yeah. I can go to uh yeah like a Thai place and be like if they offer different levels of spiciness, I'll go all the way and. Uh, a lot of times, places will be like, "Are you sure? I I can't really handle that." And I I am yes. I, and I'm like, "Yeah, I can handle it." And I did it there, and uh, it was regrettable. Yeah,
2: yeah, that because also as as someone who who pursues spicy foods, as mm-hmm. someone who who likes spicy foods, I'm sure you encounter the thing a lot where you'll get that warning, and like I, I've honestly reached a point where when I get the warning, I'm still not even like like okay, yeah. let's see what you got, you know? Same. Like i I'm, I'm ne- I never think I'm actually going to be blown away by it, which is partly why the, the Reaper tender that i had today from dave's was like oh wow the hottest level at a chain restaurant is actually pretty spicy i would not be expecting that
0: yeah yeah
1: this is gonna be a real <clears throat> dumb sounding question i'm yeah. someone who doesn't like anything spicy although back when i used to drink i occasionally liked a jalapeno uh margarita margarita so oh, that's fun that's like the exception I guess I enjoyed the sensation of spice, but like what do you like about spicy food? I know I sound like a I sound like a stereotype, but like to me when it's spicy like you can no longer really taste it anymore. Is it the sensation that you enjoy? Yeah,
2: I think the sensation is pleasurable. I I do like the sweat, you know? I do like feeling a little bit. Uh, I I I don't like my nose running. That's mm-hmm. the byproduct I don't love, but I do, I don't mind sweating a little bit. I don't mind my eyes watering a little bit. I don't I don't know, Tony. I mean, do you have a way to characterize it? I, I think it's just just overall. It's that it's that plain pleasure, you know, pain pleasure sort of uh, kind of work in the same sort of synapses, I think. Mm.
0: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know that I can really explain it either. I will say I, I've started to soften a little bit as I've gotten older, like I, I have sure. gotten to where I, I don't enjoy it as much as I used to. And I'm starting to to dial it back a little bit more. But, mm.
2: uh, no i'm 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 with you there like i'll i'll you know I, i'll i want to go for generally like because today they were they had they had the, the hot the super hot and the reaper and i definitely like the super hot more than the reaper
0: yeah because sometimes yeah when it gets there's a level that things hit that then you kind of don't even really taste what you're eating anymore yes
2: yeah it's just numbing yeah, yeah. totally
1: um uh and this is from maureen as well and lastly you mentioned once that you had a friend that had scurvy how did he get rid of it and what's he up to now
2: uh, i believe he's still working in the video game industry this was a uh this was a friend of mine who i i worked with um when i was a video game designer and uh did by all accounts has had a very uh, estimable career uh he yeah, he got ta- he got he got scurvy. I don't think I I don't know if I've told you this this story Allison, Mm-mm. but he got scurvy because he had an all Taco Bell diet. <laughs> he was just like he'd basically reached adulthood and was like, "You know what? I can I can just get Taco Bell every meal if I want." And so he just started doing it and was was living it up and then he started to feel really weak. Uh his gums were like bleeding and he went to see the doctor and the doctor came back uh like after doing some blood work laughing and said, "You've got scurvy." <laughs> um like be laughing in disbelief cuz they'd never seen this before mm-hmm. had to go back to like a medical textbook to figure it out uh and the prescription was just basically it was just over the counter vitamin C but just just gigantic whatever the the whatever the big boys are he was right. just taking you know like that three times a day and uh and also to not just eat taco bell as <laughs> his only a source of nutrition <laughs>
1: Uh, Courtney Hoffbauer, he always mentions his lovely wife, Nat- wife, Natalie, what does she do? And what does she think about the podcast? Like, I know she shares a lot of the meals. Is that a gift or a curse? And is she a gamer?
2: Not a gamer doesn't share a lot of the meals, honestly, mm. like she'll like if she wants something, she'll let me know. Uh, like I talked about how I loved Arby's earlier. She also loves Arby's. Uh, another early date of ours we went to arby's and uh, so if she if i like i'm hey i'm getting arby's for the podcast she'll want something from arby's but a lot of times she doesn't wa- she doesn't want anything uh and uh the other question what does she do yeah she works uh, she works in the uh i'm trying to say this in 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 uh, vaguely she works at a, she's a she works in a lab at a university Hmm. yeah very high brow sort of stuff
1: such an academic family you come from and are still it's true. in true
2: yeah. yeah except for me I'm a little dumb <laughs> shit.
0: <laughs> Can I ask a fan question real quick please uh, no anyway. anyways <laughs> yes, of course <laughs> <laughs> uh just real quick and uh, allison uh I don't know if you know this i doubt I, was, you know. I would think that you would, but Weiger also shares the love of your new passion of wrestling. wrestling yeah oh hell yeah hell yeah. Uh, and and uh AEW is uh in town soon. I I was just curious if you were going to see them live.
2: I'm hoping to see them at the forum. I don't have tickets yet, uh mm-hmm. but I'm going to procure them. My my buddy Mike Carlson of Podcast The Ride is a very like savvy ticket nabber. Like uh-huh. that's just like and if there's an event, he'll figure out how to get tickets and so I just kind of like I, I, I put my, my trust in him that he's gonna figure something out.
0: Nice. I don't yeah, know if it's on the I... secondary market or, or through a connection or what, but I think I yeah. think we we'll going. Um, Are you thanks. going? I well, I I wanted to. Initially my plans have changed like I was supposed to be out of town and I was so bummed. Uh so I'm actually going to go to Vegas next week. <laughs> wow. So just for the just for the the only the Wednesday taping I'm not doing the pay-per-view or anything like that, but yeah, so I'm going to go to Vegas.
1: Wait, you're I going to Vegas, Vegas for-, for the wrestling?
2: i did that before i did that with mike carlson i was at the i think the inaugural double or nothing in oh, vegas wow. and it was uh an absolute blast that was the one where moxley appeared mm-hmm. uh, Mox- moxley made his debut yeah. um and uh yeah i was i was just like an amazing show what what, yeah. what a great reason to go to vegas to, mm-hmm. to see some pro wrestling
0: yeah i'm i'm yeah. i'm excited about it because i've never never got to see aew live so yeah that's right that'll so, be a blast yeah
1: um, Nick, who's your favorite wrestler?
0: Um, all time,
2: I really like Macho Man Randy Savage. Working currently, uh, it's it's tough. I mean, there's so many, uh, so so many good workers right now. I do kind of feel like MJF is just yeah. so so <laughs> such a perfect like just total package. Great in the ring, great on the mic. Such a great heel. So hateable. Yeah, in so like, hateable. the perfect way. Who's that? Yeah. Who's MJF? Uh Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Oh, he wrestles yes. for AEW. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Of yes. course. He's like, he's
0: like he just yeah, he makes me feel like he's like a eighties movie bully, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a good way to characterize yeah. it. Yeah, he's great.
1: Um, let's see here. Okay. Some people are asking some people have questions that I feel like we kinda already covered regarding the name change and the format change and things like that. Um Let's see. Oh, Rob Schulte says, what's the best time Nick has ever had at a bowling alley? Or is there any info from the scouts that he uses to this day? Those are two
2: separate questions. Two separate questions. Uh, info from the scouts. I mean, I feel like I still have all the knot tying just in my head. For one, I need it. I feel like at some point, if I need to tie a taut line hitch, I can do it. Have, I don't know what the scenario would be. Have
1: you but. ever needed to?
2: No. <laughs> But I am thinking, like, if there's some sort of post-apocalyptic future, I'm ready to go with the knots. Mm-hmm. I don't know how useful it'll be, but I got those skills. Right. Uh, but for the most part, most of my, most of my scouting knowledge was pretty useless. Here, here's one thing that's extra useless. A thing we learned in scouts were, was if you hand someone a knife or you hand someone a pair of scissors, you mm. hold it by the blade end. All right, makes sense. But then you don't let go until the other person says, thank you. Bad lesson because most people don't know that. So what you're going to end up doing is is (laughs) getting cut because you're holding on to a blade while someone else is pulling their hand away. Right. So yeah, the the thank you lesson is is a is a bad one. I retained from scouts that I had to 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 unlearn uh, unlearn. The 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 other question was best time I had a bowling alley. I used to have a blast at the bowling alley in high school. Me and my friends. We started going bowling regularly. None of us were very good, but we had kind of a lesson, even as a group of friends who would roast each other, or lesson rather, more of a rule we had uh, that became a life lesson, uh, f- which was only positivity at the bowling alley. So no matter what happened, everyone was like, like, like great job. You did it. Like, like gutter ball after gutter ball didn't matter. Everyone was, everyone's got your back. You'll get them next time. No one was roasting each other for fucking up the bowling alley. Ended up being a blast look forward to it every week we're having fun all all the time and and if someone and that way also it it stopped it from being competitive which is another thing that can happen with you know it certainly got that way when we're playing video games against each other but we were at the bowling alley it wasn't competitive we were congratulating each other if they get uh on someone getting a strike or a turkey yeah it was a fun that was a blast
1: i like that a lot you know it's interesting i my general philosophy is like give space to all feelings and like feelings are important and talk through everything and blah, blah, blah. But then sometimes I wonder like what, you know, cause I was thinking like, what if I just instituted, you know, in my marriage, like only positivity in the evenings, like would it be possible to just go through life that way? Sure. What if you could just convince yourself that that's how you do it?
2: I, I do kind of th- think that the more I read and learn about, you know, uh, mindfulness and happiness. That so much of making reality endurable is lying to yourself repeatedly. <laughs> yes. So I think there is an element of yeah, saying that I like something is, or saying that something is good will, mm-hmm. you know, just having that feeling. Just forcing myself to smile will make this thing uh, less painful. But also, I but po- the you know the, the there is there is an element where p- positivity itself can become toxic. Totally. Too positive that can. Poison your brain in a different way.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it's sort of situational, like because it depends what you're talking yeah. about. If it's just like, ugh, another day of having to like, you know, you know, try to get my kids to go to bed when they don't want to go to bed. You know, it's like. That kind of stuff, it, it's about your attitude because it's also like a blessing that I have these children. But if it's like actual stuff that truly sucks, you can't positive your way through something that's like truly a problem. So it kind of depends what 100%. you're talking about.
2: 100%. Yeah. It being limited and situational as it was the bowling alley, was it was great because we could have that be like, like, hey, this is kind of our our sanctum where... Uh, you know, everyone was super positive about each other, but then if we were out of the bowling alley, yeah, we could still roast each other and give each other shit as needed. Right. It worked out. Right,
1: yeah. Um, Nick, it has been such a delight to have you on the show. Thank you so, so, so much.
2: Thanks for having me. I I really feel very uncomfortable talking about myself. I feel like I drone <laughs> on and get very boring. Um, and, uh, and which is why I always try to pivot things, uh, uh, back onto someone else. But, uh, this was, uh, this was probably therapeutic in some way. So thank you for having me. Um, I, hope I, I, hope I, didn't, I hope I didn't bore your audience too much.
1: I don't think you bored them at all. Uh, okay, great. Listen, you guys, but wait, I'm not, I'm not done with you. I'm coming back around to make you plug all your things. Listen, everyone, if you enjoyed what you're hearing, or even if you didn't, please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Leave us a nice comment on Apple Podcast, five stars, please, uh, or wherever you're listening. You can rate your podcast now wherever you're listening. So do that, won't you? It helps out the show. Uh, tell your friends, too. And then also listen to my other podcasts. Upwardly Weekly, comes out on Saturdays, and Childish comes out on Wednesdays. Uh, and I already mentioned Patreon. And I have a newsletter that uh, comes out sporadically. The goal was for it to come out regularly, but it's been sporadic, I'd say. AllisonRosen.Substack.com. And uh, follow me on social media at AllisonRosen on Twitter and Instagram, Nick. Where can everyone find you, and what should they be looking out for?
2: Check out Get Played, uh, the uh, video game podcast with me, Heather Ann Campbell, and uh, Matt Apodaca talking games. Right now, as of this record, we're in May. We're in the midst of PokeMay. We're spending all our episodes about Pokemon. Uh, but then you know, generally we'll have theme months. We'll have months that we-, we just talked about, whatever we're playing recently, uh, and whatever's in the news gaming wise. Uh, also, check out Doughboys, the podcast about chain restaurants. Me and Mike Mitchell, uh, recovering now from COVID, uh, <laughs> doing well. And we're uh, yeah, yeah, we we go to different chain restaurants. We went to D'Angelo when we we're in in Boston. Uh, we went to Kelly's Roast Beef. We went to Bertucci's. You know, we'll we'll hit up local spots when we're touring. We'll hit up national spots when we're local,
0: and check check all that out listen to all that and tony what about you uh i am on twitter and instagram at tony Thaxton. and my podcast bizarre albums every tuesday and the motion city soundtrack tour is all over the u.s in june and july
1: wonderful everyone thank you so thank you so much for listening nick thank you again listeners thank you for listening i love you you matter goodbye